0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I'm Ronan Gain, and joining me as always, my boy Christian Nambu. We are back to discuss some California basketball for the most part. We're going in depth on uh, the Lakers' recent revival, AD stepping up, and the Sacramento Kings taking a look at their good start to the season. But we're going to start off with a ba- bit of catch and shoot, as we always do. And, uh, I think I'm gonna take the floor first because I've got my, my my more 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 layups, maybe mid rangers here. They're not exactly uh, we still taking layups, okay? They're, they're, not, they're not exactly full court he's uh, to open up a, a little one now. The the Suns no longer need CP3 to succeed,
1: bro. We are on the same wavelength. That is literally that was gonna be my first one. That's all right. I got to take the opposite side here because I really had to like struggle with that take because I was thinking the same thing. But do they not need him to what's the definition of succeed? Let, let's define that. Let's dig into this a little bit.
0: I think their they level of success they could, is a championship, right? That yes, but at the same time, a year ago you would have said they cannot have playoff success at all without CP3. Now I don't think it's at that level at all.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll say this. They the Suns offense can be really good, even without CP3. So, I mean, they, they've scored 117 points per game, about 119 offensive rating, and they're averaging, which would be, I want to say top five, 27 assists per game without Chris Paul, 27 assists per game without Chris Paul. That was like the most encouraging number for me. This isn't just a bunch of guys getting hot I mean, these guys are balling. These guys are playing well together. DeAndre Ayton looks confident. Cameron Payne actually looks like a useful player again. And Devin Booker is Devin Booker. But, like, offensively, they look great. My my only thing I'll say, and this is why it's rimming out, is that for the Suns, their level of success is contending for a championship, and their defense has suffered without him. They have a 114 defensive rating without him. Obviously, Cam Johnson not having Cam Johnson around has probably affected that number as well. But – that brings them to like an they're an average defense without Chris Paul, which I think speaks numbers. When you watch how Chris Paul still plays a game defensively, he's still one of the league's best uh, defenders in the backcourt, and I mean that brings them to like a five plus five net rating. That's not a championship level team. I think Chris Paul still brings them to that level of being a contender, like a true contender. But they're going to be this good offensively. It, it definitely made me think really hard about it. I was there with you. I was there with you. Okay. That, yeah. oh, that wasn't a layup. That wasn't a layup. That, that was, that's a fair shot. I'll give yeah. you that. It's better yeah. than what you did last time.
0: That, that, that's true. Now, stick, with, stick with the point guards. I'm going to tell up to my boy Tyrese Halliburton out there in Indiana. On form, Tyrese Halliburton, top three guard, top three point guard in the NBA.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, are we doing a shared Google Doc? Because this is like, that was my only other one too. <laughs> uh, you went a little further than me you you said you said top three i said a top five but four of top that's three. yeah right now like absolutely that's that's a bucket that's a bucket i mean in um and this is this is where i originally wanted to go with it um that Halberton is a better point guard than Lamelo ball yeah right now
0: yeah
1: and i think in terms of reevaluating talent and like what, where they'll be. I don't, I don't see why they're not at least comparable in terms of, I mean, I'm, we're not just comparing a random blip here from Halliburton. I think those two guys are going to be vying for being one a one B point guards in the Eastern conference. if not the league. Um, and, ter- and, and I think when you think about point guard here too, think about Halliburton as a facilitator, like, him and John Morant, you know, obviously LaMelo Ball, Chris Paul. Um, just thinking of facilitators in this league, like he right now is the best facilitator. He's leading the league in assists, leading the league in assists per game. Chris Paul is obviously injured right now, but that's a bucket. I mean, he's just been on fire this year, leading the Pacers to being a, I mean, a top five team in the East.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been a bit unbelievable. I think over, over the last five games, he just became the first player in the NBA to have – over 40 assists and zero turnovers yeah just that's just outrageous
1: yeah the the Pacers team has been we we talked a lot of over the past season, season and a half about how LaMelo Ball when he's on the floor just completely transforms the the Hornets and how that team looks exciting and fun with him on the floor and I don't think Halliburton has gotten enough and I think it's because it's Tyrese Halliburton not LaMelo Ball but you watch how Tyrese Halliburton plays and it's the same effect. The way that the ball moves, the way that he, he's he's not just a a Donchich kind of point guard where everything's running through him and he's just, you know, bending defenses and passing it out. But the way that he has transformed this team to becoming such a, a unselfish and aggressive shooting team, like it's it's impressive. The, the pacers are gonna be really exciting. We saw that at full display. Um, was it last night or the night before against the Lakers? I'm losing track of time. Uh, last night. is last
0: night against okay. the Lakers.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's, it is mid-finals week right now for me. I, I don't know what day it is. I barely know what time it is. Um, <laughs> I'm barely conscious here. But w- what I was conscious for was, was uh, Halliburton and the Pacers' performance overall against the Lakers, who are we going to dig into? Um, so, I mean, we can praise the Pacers all we want. I think we've done that enough, you know, talking about how, good they've done shooting, how aggressive they've been from there. Um, the actions that they've been running to get the shooters open. Like, they have such a well-fine-tuned offense. Give Rick Carlisle credit for encouraging his guys to screen for each other and, and get each other open and be unselfish like that. But, my God, like, we wanted to, like, start this podcast off being like, yeah, the Lakers – I smiled a little bit when you said Lakers revival because last night was an unfortunate reminder that this team is so – far from being a contender, even when we have bright spots like AD, which I can't wait to talk about because Anthony Davis has looked fantastic. And I love, and I hate talking down on his game because I, I mean, I don't mean to talk down on his game, but I feel like the only time we can really talk about Anthony Davis the past two years is about how he's not been an efficient shooter, how he's not been the same kind of defender, the same kind of athlete, not been healthy. And it's been just a lot of negatives for a guy who truly should be a top three player in this league. Like, like he's he was supposed to be the guy when he made it to the Lakers. He's supposed to be the guy. And unfortunately, the, the way injuries have gone, he's not been. But can we talk about how the Lakers collapsed, how LeBron just looked like he didn't care while the Lakers cough up a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter with Tyrese Halliburton and the Pacers?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, it's just like you said, it just shows again when you want to get that bit of hope that obviously it's so congested within the uh, within the Western Conference, even where they're at now. It's only three and a half games outside of the playoffs, even with the dreadful start that they've had. So like a, a, a strong run could, could get them right back in the frame, but their consistency just isn't there for them to be able to do that. And... When you look at what happened last night, you'd actually think it's the the defensive side that they weren't able to do. But for the most part with the Lakers, it's offensive consistency that is what they're struggling with. They can get really, really hot, but they also far too often go really, really cold. We haven't really seen more than a single game this year where you can say they played consistently well on offense for the entire 48 minutes.
1: Yeah, and the offense—that's the—that's always going to be the tough thing. And I think there's there's plenty of coverage on why why the offense isn't working, and it all stems from the lack of shooting. Um, but I, I think you know defensively, I, I'm surprised with the way it went last night because with a 12 point lead, your top 10 defense, Anthony Davis is playing in like absolute prime Anthony Davis defense right now. And for them to give up 12 points, that was that was surprising me. But for me, it's it's a reminder that, like, they need to be an elite defense at all times to keep these leads. And their their offense was – I wouldn't even blame their offense last night. You know, they, they were getting a lot of – they are getting a lot of looks at the basket. I mean, they, they were really um, working Anthony Davis well in the pick and roll. Um, but I think near the end of the game, like, yes, the offense sputtered but they gave up a 10-0 run to let the Pacers get back in this. And it was off of wide open threes. Aaron Nesmith two wide open threes. You got to open corner threes to Nembhard. And just stuff like that can't happen. And I know it's the beginning of the regular season, but this is the beginning of the regular season for a Lakers team that desperately need a run. They desperately need to show signs of life. And last night would have been a great opportunity to do that. But it's they just have these games too far too far often, too far often where there's just lapses in focus. And when it comes from LeBron, that's that's concerning. That that needs to be talked about more. Like LeBron can't LeBron can't be a defensive liability. Mm -hmm. That's just that's inexcusable for LeBron James to be a defensive liability.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously we keep talking about how impressive it is the the battle that he's having with uh with father time but if he's becoming a someone that can be targeted becoming someone that you can just you see every time every defensive play he's not 100% tuned in that's going to cost the lakers games and mainly because as good as he still is for his age he probably isn't that at that explosive LeBron James. It doesn't actually... You don't actually think about his defense too much because he's just doing absolutely everything on the on the offensive end. But that's just not happening every night. He's, he's not quite as efficient uh, scoring inside. He's struggling a little, that little bit more this year. Still putting up numbers, but he's got to be more clued in and more focused and just more committed on the defensive end. We know he's a talented defender. If he wants to succeed with this Lakers team, though, he has to believe in that and has to put, put the energy in on on both ends of the floor. It can't just be one way. And then other guys will help me on that end.
1: Yeah. And like, in terms of scheme too, like, I don't, I mean, if you're, if you're diving him, it's like, are you going to coach LeBron James to play harder on defense? Maybe not. (laughs) Like, Just switch on that or something. Just LeBron James dying on screens in the fourth quarter while he loses the Pacers. When Anthony, when you're back and healthy and Anthony Davis is looking great, it's just, it's it's not how you get wins put together, but let, let's talk about Anthony Davis though and I think his recent play makes the Lakers situation a little bit more interesting because if this goes from a hopeless situation to you know that that is that is a little bit of light if if Anthony Davis is figuring out his health right now and he is able to produce like he is even even without any sort of he's not having any sort of like streaky jump shooting or anything like that he just looks good around the rim like he looks like himself around the rim like how does this affect like how you see this team right now like where they should be what they should be doing in terms of you know the future trades you know contending status
0: I mean obviously it does I mean we both we when we were discussing the Lakers before this season we both agreed that Anthony Davis had to be the lead factor for for this Lakers team if they were going to have a bounce back year this year and obviously, before the last two games, uh, obviously they lost to the Pacers last night. He played. And then the game before against the Spurs, he, he sat out. But he was on a five game tear like nobody else. They won four of those five games. It goes 37 and 18 versus Nets, 38 16, four blocks versus the Pistons, 30 and 18 against the Spurs. Then he had that one, one and only Anthony Davis, the only guy to ever put up this stat line against the Suns. It obviously came in a loss, but still huge. 37 points, 21 rebounds, five steals, five blocks. And then he had 25 and 15, a win against the Spurs. Him just being an absolute monster and not even doing anything that's super outrageous. Obviously, you can't expect him to have freaking 35 and 20 and five blocks every night, but he can certainly be doing. Somewhere in the twenty-five to thirty range, and somewhere in the in the like thirteen to twenty range every night, and he can dominate in the paint, and that's something we haven't been able to see the last year or two. We haven't seen it enough. So when you see that coming and you see him being the lead guy, you're talking about him. We're not talking about LeBron James having to carry the team or or LeBron James's health. We're just talking about AD dominating. Then of course you can have that. A little bit more hope that there's something more than just a blow up here in LA
1: yeah and I I think like the, the way that this makes you think of it is you know part of me thinks that there's hope because if he's able to reclaim like who he should be right now as an athlete as a top 10 player in this league then trading for doing a trade sending your last two first rounders getting in good role players like healed like turner if those are the two exact guys or there's there's another deal out there then then so be it you know this isn't to push that out exactly but maybe that makes more sense now because before it doesn't make sense like you're not going to get like two role guys doesn't change the fate of a team with an ailing anthony davis and an aged out lebron james which is a super negative way to put it but honestly at times that's what it felt like you know like I feel like that that does change it in a way for me that they should be so aggressive right now. They should be so aggressive in, in that way. And then on the flip side, maybe it's the opposite, because what are you going to get in a trade for Anthony Davis within the first five games of the season? When he's holding his back, when he's peeling himself off the floor, when he's missing bunnies, like – there wasn't a huge market. Maybe there's not one now because he's such an injury risk right now. But on the flip side, like I don't think his value has ever been higher. Like people are opening their eyes and be like, "Wow, oh yeah, this is I now I remember Anthony Davis." And for a team for a franchise that is trying to figure out whether they want to keep their future alive, or just go for a championship right now, you just have to decide. And it, it's on the cusp of uh, of your second best player finally reclaiming some of his value. Either that's value that you invest in right now or that's value that you invest in for the future. And I think just more doing nothing is just so painful to watch because I think there has to be a direction that's picked right now. You can't just wait for some random buyout guy like who's who's even on the buyout market? There's no one on the buyout market that we that we think could remotely be helpful here.
0: No, no, it's like the Lakers are always arguing they're part of the most aggressive team throughout. Throughout history, when it comes to to making trades and making deals, they have to be that right now. Either they just say it, we don't believe that this team can can do any more than they've already done, and start building towards the future, or they go, okay, we'll just do whatever we can to give LeBron and AD one last shot to to get to the playoffs and maybe maybe cause cause a few surprises. They have to decide, I'd say right now, I hope they already know which angle they they want to take on it and they have to just pursue that as aggressively possible as they can. They need a shooter. They need another legit starter probably aside of that. It just depends who they can get for for what they can offer. Let's be real, what they can offer is Russell Westbrook and two picks. That's, that's, That's what their offer is.
1: Yeah. And those two, like those two picks matter. Like I, the, the Pacers, I, I don't see why the Pacers don't do that. And, and let's, let's talk about this for a second. Cause I think this is, this is a trade that everybody's talking about. Let's evaluate this. Well, what do you, what do you feel about the Turner and healed move? So that say they make that move, where does that put the Lakers in your mind for the Western conference? Does that solidify them in any sort of echelon, whether it's that's at the top or the, the middle, or are they in the plan? Like, What does that do?
0: I mean, it, I can still only say for sure that I'll just be like, they'll get through the play-in now. Just because when, that's that, it? when that move <laughs> actually gets made, who knows what, where they'll be at and then how long it might take for it to all really come together you look at it and you think you can't just say, ah, there'll definitely be a a, a contender. Now it will be a contending type move. And if it comes together quickly, then you're kind of looking like, oh shit, they've really turned it around. They've, they've been aggressive and they look like they're going to be contenders again. But on paper, it's still not something that instantly changes and say, oh, they're going to be a, definitely be a top six seed. They're going to go straight into the playoffs and they're going to, they're going to win. They're going to win a few series.
1: I think, yeah, and obviously that that's such a tough reception to change right away just because you're getting two guys like that to vault them in sort of some sort of contender status, which is understandable. I, I think of two ways. Like defensively, I think it's a little overrated because a lot of people are looking at it from the angle of, oh my god, you got Miles Turner, you got Anthony Davis, especially with the way Anthony Davis is playing, like they're going to block everything and this is going to be the best defense in the league. I actually think that people are underestimating the or overestimating the fit there defensively. because if you're watching what Anthony Davis is doing right now, he's he's just anchoring the middle. it's It's so impressive what he's doing. Um, and impressive too for for the way that Darwin Ham has his perimeter defenders um, navigating everything and they're doing well to to leave bad shooters open and, and rotating and helping in. Anthony Davis is a star of the show there. the way he's just able to anchor the middle and zone up there and prevent anything from getting through them. I don't see the seamless fit with Miles Turner and Anthony Davis on the floor together, two guys who their primary benefit to a team is being a rim protector. I mean, they're not, Anthony Davis is not like an elite. He's a good big who can switch out on the perimeter. He's he's quick enough. He's long enough. But, you know, his his skill set isn't meant for that. Like, his, his skill set and Miles Turner's skill set is as weak side help, as, you know, in the drop, not necessarily being a switchable, versatile defender. And I don't think that you're getting the best out of both those guys. And I, I'm not I'm not sure if that's kind of what's leading pause. Like, I'm trying to give some legitimacy to Polinka not making a move here. But if you're maybe even taking away from the defensive synergy that you have on this team right now, that's allowing them to be a top-10 defense Maybe that's not great, and Buddy Heel is definitely not a positive on that end either. Um, but I think we got to think about the offense, though. Like LeBron James, like who is he passing to? What 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 is what is a shooter on this team that he is passing to? Like he's like who? Lonnie Walker? Like I mean, actually, let's give Lonnie Walker some credit, um, averaging seventeen po- nearly seventeen points a game season actually really impressive stuff. Um, am doing it without being an elite shooter. Just a tremendous athlete. And he's, I think, doing well to replace what they lost from Likmok and, and then some, just minus the shooting. But there's just not a single shooter on this team. And that just, we harp on it so much, but that limits so much of what they can do on this team and what, what kind of sets they can run out there, what kinds of offense that they can uh, put out without any true shooting. I and mean, you just watch night in, night out. It's so difficult to get clean looks for the Lakers when none of their perimeter players have any shooting gravity. They just don't. And Miles Turner shooting forty six percent from three, and Buddy Hield on ten attempts shooting thirty nine percent from three. A guy who's going to run all around the court. He's going to demand attention. He's going to demand switches. He's going to, you know, cause defenses to slip up chasing him around the floor that that's those are the kind of guys that could unlock a LeBron James offense that can unlock a roller like Anthony Davis that can allow him to do stuff I mean is that is that enough to make that move because I don't think it's a defense but offensively like I just can't there's so many ways in which those two guys solve so many of their problems why the Lakers have not been fun to watch for half the season
0: yeah I think there's not it's not it's not like a guarantee that the the defense will instantly suffer but i, I mean you think about it if you made that move and then their their defense was maybe only like top 13 top 14 but their offense goes up to being uh around the top the top 10 mark i think that's that's worth worth the gamble uh in, in this uh to to make this move for me
1: top yeah and that's it, when it when you think about it like that, like I don't I don't think that I don't think Buddy Healed, just saying the names out loud in my head, Buddy Healed and Miles Turner on this on the Lakers team are not gonna make them like the worst offense in the league to a top ten offense. That just that would be like the best case scenario, right? Yeah. Best case scenario. And I and I think the probably the more realistic thing is kind of what you said is that they they make the Lakers better but not elite it's it's up to Anthony Davis and LeBron James though. And and that's, you know, when Anthony Davis plays like this, it opens your eyes. And I mean, the fact that they were so close with the Suns, a game like that, you know, where Anthony Davis just, he was the most dominant player on the floor. Like games like that remind you that, Hey, just get this guy some help and great things will happen. And and I think maybe that that'll be the reminder if we, if they end up do, they end up making this move. How much better LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and the Lakers, will look with competent role players besides them. Maybe that's that's all we need to to wake up here, but it doesn't feel like that. That'll just vault them up there. But the point the point is that like they need to do something. They they, they have that for them to wait to the trade deadline. Wait, wasting time here, especially while Anthony Davis looks good. Like this, they need to LeBron James and Anthony Davis need to play their way to force. Blinka to make the move if that's even possible, but it's it's at least encouraging to see that AD looks healthy. Leave yeah, it at yeah. that.
0: Hundred percent. Seven and twelve Lakers. Be aggressive. Let's, let's 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 move over to to another California team. The, the like team the that, beam, the team that got hot, but they've they've dropped off uh, the last few games, but they're still in a pretty good position. The Sacramento Kings, ten and 9, 7th over in the West, but they're only a game and game and a half back on third place so they're in a in a very strong position how, how good how good have they been this season
1: they've they've been surprisingly Elite offensively I mean they're still a bottom five defensive team but they've really realized their potential as an offense I mean they're just reading out the stats here I mean they are fifth in fast break points the guards love to get out and Fox I'd say fox is arguably um maybe we got to do a list here but Try to think of players better than him in the open court. Ball movement, fourth and assists. They're taking the seventh most threes. And that is not something you could have said of the Kings in years. Can't even remember. If I don't even know if they came close to that, even when Buddy was there. Um, and if you look at their offense, they're really floating in the same company as the Suns, the Nuggets, and they're still there, Utah Jazz. <laughs> So, I think the the question we should probably talk about is like what what are they doing first of all, and is it sustainable? Can are they going to end the season and we look at them and be like, "Yeah, that's a sun's level offense. That's a that's a um nuggets level offense. Are they going to continue to be that good based on what they're doing here?
0: I mean, I really want to say, yes, I do have the belief. I like how they're playing. No, none of their players are playing at a level that you would say, isn't total, isn't arguably sustainable. Like Sabonis and Fox are just doing what is expected of them, basically. Kevin Herter is maybe a guy where you're thinking, ah, surely he's not going to shoot that well uh, all season long. But for the most part, they're just doing, they're kind of Fox is looking for like a guy who's finally realized why Sacramento has put so much faith in him and so much belief in him. Sabonis doing what he does on offense. And then you got a guy they brought in Herder. he's having just having a, a really great great start to the year. Malik Monk is being great coming off the bench. And they haven't even got Keegan Murray going. So that's the side of where you think why can't they be right up there in terms of offense? Maybe it won't bring success because defense is still pretty big question mark, but offensively I don't see why they can't sustain this for, for the year.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the shooting is, is the incredible part. They're 11th three point percentage Fox is shooting a career high at 38%. Herder is shooting a career high 46%. Obviously we'll see that come down, but I I believe that, I mean, seeing it hit the looks that he's getting on this team, he's getting clean looks and he's really free to be a movement shooter. And he's more aggressive than he was in Atlanta. And this is, the fascinating change of scenery thing for so many players across the league. Um, we talked about Lowry market and talk about Kevin Herter here. Just, he just looks like a more confident shooter on this team. Um, just loving and... with Sabonis. I think
0: Sabonis is a guy he really needed. This is something. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I, that's, that's a real thing. These guards are benefiting from the presence of a guy like Sabonis, who is able to have gravity in the post. And like we had predicted last year, they are really, really making use of him and the uh and DHOs. Dribble handoffs, they are leading the league right now. They're 97th percentile. And that's no team is even close to that. Like I think the second highest team is like in the in the 70-something percentile, but they are scoring 1.13 points per possession on dribble handoffs. And their whole offense is predicated off of how good Sabonis is in facilitating and working the mid to low post. And that, I think that everything's sustainable because of Sabonis, really. The, the way that he is able to create offense based on his um, ability inside. And that's really meshed well with with Fox. I mean, for Fox to shoot this well too, I, I think that's that's credit to him. I mean, his, his shot looks a lot quicker. He looks more confident with it. I don't see that being an anomaly. And you got guys like Terrence Davis too, whose who's shot looks faster, looks better. I, I'm trying to think of, of who if they had signed anybody there, no, that's, that's OKC. I'm thinking of OKC signed uh that I'm forgetting the name of the shooting coach, but these guys look more confident as shooters. I mean, they clearly have their goal in mind and Keegan Murray too. Like he's only shooting 33% from three. Like he's not lighting the world on fire yet. And I, I think we expected him, especially from what we saw in preseason, what we saw in uh summer league for him to be a better shooter. Monk is only shooting 35% from three. Like there's not a lot of, crazy outlier shooting happening here for me to think that they're going to drop off that far in terms of how they're shooting beyond the arc
0: yeah no i I absolutely agree i think you look at at the offensive side of and you think this is just them they've turned over this leaf it's something that if they all stay healthy it is sustainable maybe you can't you won't be able to say oh they're as good as the suns they're as good as the warriors but they could be right on the on the scope of being a, a top five offense for for the entire year. They can continue to put up the points. It's just going to be a question of how does their defense hold up and can they fully rely on their offense being elite to get them back into the playoffs. That's just going to be the the main thing.
1: Yeah, I think historically we've seen. I mean, we saw the the Nuggets do it last year. Yeah, they were they were dog water on defense um and Nuggets who we definitely have to cover at some point who have quietly been one of the better teams in the league this year um but I I think it's the the beautiful thing about about this season right now for the Kings um I, I don't think this is a blip they have the talent they have the makeup they have the strategy they have the coaching um who I, who there's a really awesome I don't know if you saw this there's a really awesome moment last night and I think it's a perfect picture of how he's trying to coach up this team. Um, where he was he pulled um Davis aside, Terrence Davis on a rotation that he had missed. And he ran out to the middle of the court with him during the timeout, showed him exactly where to be, and coached him up. And Terrence Davis was very receptive to it. You could just see it in their body language. And later in that game, Davis made the perfect rotation um and got the charge. And Mike Brown was just going crazy on the sideline. Like, psyched out his mind and you just really feel I know it's just like a singular moment, but just watching watching moments like that and all you hear from that locker room like there there's an identity that they have in this team in this coaching staff in their new way of playing and that's something to be like proud of like Sacramento has a team to be proud of and that's not something they have they've had for a while they've had teams with potential they they showed flashes a few years ago but now I think they have legitimate, Way of winning games, and it's through that offense, and it's through their two stars, and it's through their shooting, and who knows how much better they get defensively? Like I've been surprised not to see Davion Mitchell take another step. Um, you hope to see that grow there. Um, you hope to see Keegan Murray grow, but I think you know at the end of the day, I mean, they're making the playoffs. I I feel pretty good about that. You know the yeah. way that they're playing offensively, whether it's yeah. in the plan. I I don't know if they keep up, like you said, with with the defense to to still be a top six team in the West, but they're gonna be competitive, competitive enough to make it in the playoffs with their offense alone. I, I feel pretty good about that.
0: Yeah, you know, in one off games, obviously depends on who they they could end up going against, but you could definitely be confident in them, their offense, their offense stepping up. Obviously, like you said, Sabonis is the linchpin. He's the guy that that most things are are played through and played off of. Fox is just the he's the one I'm thinking about because I I love what I've seen so far from him this year like the inside scoring his speed he, he stepped up with big plays it's just the still that element where he's still going to have those nights where he just doesn't look like the guy at all like we saw it against the Suns. he only had 11 points and that's just the element where I think they still might come up just short on getting the playoffs if Fox can't doesn't have to score 30 every night, not what I'm saying, but he can't afford to have those those sort of games. He's got to be right up there or at least be in the mood in the mentality to be able to to score at least in the clutch on the nights so when he's not having the big games.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I, I'm, I feel like they have one move to make here. And the move I'm thinking is Harrison Barnes. He is not having a good year so far. You know, a lot of teams were inquiring about him last year. I don't know if his trade value has gone down because of obviously how, how bad he's playing. Well, he's not played himself into being an asset right now. But for contenders out there, um, you know, it's 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 tough to it's tough to make lateral trades like this. Where are you, how are you going to get a guy in who's productive if you're trading a guy out who's not doing well right now? But they need they need another another shooter, I think, on this team. Because I I do fear for the the longevity of this of this hot streak for for Herder. I still think they're gonna be a good three-point shooting team. Like not going back on what I'm saying there, but um I mean they're a herder injury away from from plummeting there. I mean they're they're not gonna have to rely on Keegan Murray doing better shooting from three or Terrence Davis continuing to be a forty percent three-point shooter they can't ask him to take on more volume. Like they they need another guy who's gonna be able to take some pressure, scoring pressure off of Fox and off of uh Sabonis. So I mean, maybe that that's something that they explore by the end of the year. But I mean I think that's what you see that's what you see in the league. Like there's there's just a clear difference between superstars who are going to give it every night and guys like Fox. I mean I don't think I mean our original conception of Fox when he came into the league was you know the next Russell Westbrook type of player, but you know not everyone can be that. Not everyone can have that night in, night out. You see players like Jason Tatum take the next step of being the guy every single night, but I mean that that's rare. And I, I don't think I don't think Fox is necessarily going to be that guy. He's going to need more help around him. He's going to need to rely more on Sabonis, who I mean he hasn't reached he hasn't reached a mark yet in terms of scoring that I think he should. I mean S- Sabonis, um, while he's doing great too. To elevate everybody around him, I think still needs to be a little bit more aggressive, and he should be a twenty point per game type of player. I mean, that that's that was the All Star bonus that we saw. That was the All Star bonus that the Kings needed, and improve play from him. Maybe another move, and I think the Kings will will continue to improve.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think the the Sabonis point is definitely is definitely true. The the talent he has scoring inside, you think he can definitely even. He, he almost looks to the past a little bit too much. He has to, he has to definitely be that that little bit, that little bit more aggressive. And uh, that point you made is about the star. Kind of makes you, it makes you appreciate how difficult it is to to be that uh, get at that star level. That 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 level where you're thinking, okay, if you don't score thirty points, you are you're having a bad game. <laughs> That's just like expensive. Luca. Yeah, like, like exactly, exactly like what Luca uh, is going. Great segue. With the Mavs. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that's that's uh, a that's exactly what we're doing, now. and we'll finish off with a, a, a few just various points around the league. And one of the big ones is is Luca Doncic. He, his team, the Dallas Mavericks, have not won a game when he has not scored above thirty points. That's just that's worrying. <laughs>
1: that just put it ended there. That, that is worrying. Um <laughs> you guys, you guys ruined it for, for the Mavs. That's, I mean, the only joy that the Knicks will probably be able to take away from this year is that they ruined someone else's season by taking away Jalen Brunson. But um, I don't know. Can, can Kemba Walker save the Mavs from this, this uh, situation that they're in right now? I'm it, saying that mostly it, kidding, but yeah, give me I an mean... honest response.
0: I don't think it's it would be crazy if we could see Kemba get in and average ten points coming off the bench. I mean, think of what they they they're waving compatta to get to get him in. Think of what he's offered so far this year, little to nothing. If Kemba is still at an NBA level as a bench player, obviously with the Knicks last year, he was basically he was in and out. He was looking like a guy who was past his best, but obviously I'm sure he's been working hard and training hard he's all he's going to be asked to do is be a bit of a spark plug coming off the bench he's going to have to try and be what spencer dinwiddie was to this team last season don't think he'll be able to quite get to that level but if he can be like a, a 10 and 3 guy off the bench for this team that does that does bring something that they haven't had so far this year is it enough to completely make them Win games when Luca doesn't uh, doesn't score his uh his uh 30 30 plus uh maybe not
1: that yeah that that's the thing it's there there needs to be more from guys like um Tim Hardaway Jr I thought we'd have seen seen a little bit more aggression from him he's I mean still still getting back into the flow of things but Christian Wood should he be starting? Is that, is that something that would, would fix this was, does there need to be more, you know, Luca off ball just to like mix things up. But I think the thing is to not just, it's not just about the offense again. Like we, we had already talked about it, but the, the defense from them is what has taken a step back and they can't survive. They can't survive games when Luca doesn't score 30 because their defense is not there like it was last year, but Hey, maybe maybe Luca's the uh, Lakers' next edition. I know, I know that they can convince themselves of something like that if they're going to uh, end up trading off those two picks.
0: Yeah, but... yeah. I mean, that's not. What <laughs> Let's be real here. Crazier things have happened uh, in the uh, in the NBA and with the with the Lakers uh, with the Lakers in general. But you have to say with the Mavs, it's uh, you got to say they overachieved last year, and now they're looking like they're regressing into what they. Off, off the overachievement. It's something that we have seen before, and they need to maybe find a way to make an aggressive move to get themselves on the on the right track again.
1: Can we finish on the wolves? We have we haven't talked about our wolves, which was supposed to be our our darling team this year.
0: Yeah, we've, we've
1: been a little too embarrassed to to talk about them, but uh, give a little update.
0: I mean. They're 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 struggling. What are they now? 10, 10 and eleven, I think they sit now. They actually went on a five game win streak. That would that that's been bounced back with a three game, three straight losses. I think yeah, but it's uh, now they're without cat for the next four to six weeks with we a right calf strain. The defense is is a bit of a mess. They gave up that forty seven point first quarter to the Warriors. Did they give up hundred oh, the 140 plus to the Wizards last night? KP dropping 41 on them. Uh I mean, they've got really go bear in to make them a much better defensive team. And uh, so far it is not working.
1: Uh <sighs> well, we we need to dedicate more time in another episode to to break down what's been wrong um with the uh, Wolves defense, but I think, and then you, you cut out there perfectly. Uh, I don't know if I have to edit that out, but I mean, what better time for you to cut out than talking about the Wolves. But <laughs> I, if you, if you mentioned it, yeah, Kat's going to be out. Um, and I think it's not really a question of defense. I think right now it's going to be a question of, of who's going to step up to take up the offensive burden. And I'm interested to, to hear what you think about it. Cause I, you're, you're not the biggest Carl uh, Anthony Towns guy. And I'm interested to see what you think they're going to – how they're going to respond to this, how Anthony Edwards in particular is going to respond to this.
0: I mean, this is – be... this,
1: Yes, this is a trap. This is a trap. So oh, of, course, of course
0: of course, it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's be real here. Anthony Edwards has not been at the level I think we both expected him to be at to, to begin this year. I think – Nobody he... pulled the tape
1: where we probably irresponsibly said a three-letter word that starts with –
0: <laughs> yeah Zero will be given I mean, this way. it's he's been disappointing. And now it's actually like the floor is yours. Our other major offensive talent is out. you you need to take up you need to take up the burden. He needs to to go on that run. We've seen other guys do it. Uh, other uh, two way tandems. Uh one's gone down, and the other one has has instantly thrived in a, in a in a short spell. Anthony Edwards it's your time now let's let's see let's see why why people compared you to some of the greatest players of all time when you were coming into the league
1: so all right do you think he will he will be better without cat
0: i think he could be i think we could see him play off of go bear a little bit more could we see him look a bit more like what we saw Donovan Mitchell do with, with Gobert. Could we see an element of that? I think, I think we could, I, I, I even if it's just a weird anomaly, when, when I heard cat was going out, my first instinct was for some weird reason, the t wolves are going to go on a run during this spell. And people are going to start saying, Oh maybe yeah. t wolves are better without cat.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Like that's, that's exactly what I thought too. Cause like cat has caught so much flack um, over the past, Past few years you know some deservedly some some not deservedly I I think that um you know well Kat may have talked a big game in terms of playoffs and stuff like that like in terms of the regular season like he is everything for the Wolves I this this idea that this is going to be Ant's team like it's not there yet um and this is the thing that shocked me like I I thought you know maybe maybe that's been something we've seen before because Kat has been out but Anthony Edwards with Kat on the floor Average 21.4 points, 3.6 assists, 44% from the field. Without Carl Anthony Towns, and yes, it's taking into account his rookie year, which he did. I mean, he did end the year fantastic in his rookie year. But without Carl Anthony Towns, 16.3 points, 3.3 assists. Uh, sorry, 3.3 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 38.4% from the field. As a team in the past two seasons, Carl Anthony Towns, without Carl Anthony Towns, the Timberwolves have been a 110 offensive rating. That would put them right around the bottom third, if not bottom five in the league. And this team has really relied on what Carl Anthony Towns has done as the league's best big man shooter, as a guy who demands so much attention um, in inside the paint running off of screens, just everything he does is the offensive t- talent that he is. I, it'll be interesting if 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 Anthony Edwards responds in a big way, it'll it'll be more than unexpected. I think it would be transformative for him because yeah, yeah. throughout yeah, his career, true. he has not performed well without Carl Anthony Towns, and the Timberwolves have been bad without Carl Anthony Towns.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously I know we know how important Cat is to the t Wolves, but I was definitely, I was not expecting it to be a uh... To be quite, there that that dramatic, especially those those Edwards stats. There, uh, they're definitely a surprise.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I thought it, like when I was when I was looking it up, I was like, all right, this I was expecting to find games of, you know, a, a typical guy like that. When you just give him more shots to chuck, like he'll have crazy nights, and those are the outlier nights that you have to be aware aware of. But it was it's quite the opposite. But man, this we'll we'll talk more about the tools at some point. Maybe We will. We'll have a little bit of help to do it, but that's it's it is still concerning the amount of growing quote unquote growing pains that we labeled it uh, several weeks back that are still painful to watch.
0: Yeah, it's not been great, and uh, obviously we're both big Luca fans and seeing Dallas the way they are. But uh, thankfully, at least we got the Kings surprising the Kings stepping up, showing showing a lot of fun for for the first time in a while. AD looking like. The Anthony Davis, we all hope he be at this stage, is good to see. So it's a, it's not all, it's all not all, not all negative. But I think that's gonna do it for today's episode. I'm Ronnie Game. My thanks to Christian Nambu for joining me, thank you all very much for listening. And if you like what you're hearing, please like and subscribe on all your favorite social channels, from Twitter to TikTok. We are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.